Rockstar fans, another episode of the CXS Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano. Joined, as always, by... Uh-oh. I didn't. I didn't. You I didn't, didn't do it. I didn't do it. I forgot. Okay, I thought that. Uh oh, was. We're skipping. Right, I'm start by it. Kevin Garber oh, and no, Eric. Oh, from the movies. from the pink starburst to my yellow Bye. starburst. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, that's an intro. And our very own green Skittle. That's right. It's Green Apple himself. Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he, if he gives me sour skills, I'm gonna fly across the room. I can't. I just. Can't could, take I had to come up with something on the fly, and uh, that's. You know what? You get what you paid for at this podcast. Canned eliminator. Which, which means everyone except for 21 of you can't complain. 22. <laughs> right. 22 of you can't complain. Uh, all right. So uh, let's. Uh, oh, jeez. All right, let's get right into it. The Seahawks last week faced the L.A. Rams, and in, uh, in another heartbreaking fashion, another fourth quarter turnover dooms the Seahawks. Okay, but this time it's not a pick six; it was a strip sack and a scoop, and uh, not a score. But but uh, you know, it seemed like eleven guys touched that football before it actually got recovered. Yeah, yep. really uh, you, went for the dramatic turn. What, what range of emotions? Like during just during the play, you know, just like I'm like, oh, we're go- oh no, oh no, oh, oh. And bingo. Like, nope, it was one long period of resignation for me. Yeah, you're just like you're just like up. Oh, that's it. As soon as it was stripped, I was like, this is gonna suck. Well, because you knew that if we got the ball back on third and twenty eight, we'd probably run like a fullback draw. This is not. <laughs> this is not the Holmgren era. I. I don't know. I feel yeah, like it's the Schottenheimer. The the optimism for this game just kept breaking off half quarter by half quarter until the end of the game was just like. And I think they should. <sighs> I think they should have tried to 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 hurt Cooper Cup earlier. Like uh, maybe Greg, if Greg Williams was our coach, we should have tried to hurt uh, <laughs> Cooks again too, like we did last time. Yeah, exactly. That was a good strategy. They could injure their best, injure their wide receivers. Well, because Brandon Cooks killed us. Do we talk defense first? Or do you want to do offense? Um, let's go with the, let's go with the offense. Okay, because despite okay. despite that play, I felt like the offensive line once again had a pretty good performance. Well over two hundred rushing yards, including a kind of breakout performance from Rashad Penny. And Seahawks Twitter was ablaze because um, Ben from Hawk or Evan, what is the guy's name? Evan from Hawkblogger said that if Rashad Penny. Ran for over 100 yards. He would get a chest tattoo with Rashad Penny's eyes as his nipples. Uh, somebody made a too big of a promise. Yeah, and then of course, he's and not, somebody forgot that not, the offensive line is highly responsible for running success. Yeah, and I was gonna say he uh, he he obviously is not actually getting coward. Uh, that that someone's tattoo. gonna Photoshop that though. We're the uh, we're the podcast and Seahawks loving trio with integrity. That's right. Hey, hey, and you, intelligence. Did Hardest you guys, working, integrity-filled podcast on the web. Did you guys think that uh, – did you guys know the Seahawks are the only team in the NFL to have three different players with 100-yard rushing games this season? We almost had four because Russ went for 92. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> yeah, going to say no this kidding. hasn't really translated to, to wins or anything. but uh, I'll tell you, like, it was nice to see Russ polish off the uh, the old running boots, though. Like, that was a that was a big game. For people who've been wondering if he still has it, that was Russ running yeah, very two, well. Two design rushing attempts, but then seven really good scrambles. Like he he definitely was will, more than willing to like step up in the pocket, see that there was eight free yards, and just take it. Which I was I've kind of missed that from from Russ. So that was really cool to see. He got sixty nine scrambling yards and twenty three designed run yards. Which uh, I thought those that that's great. That's fine. I'm okay with that distribution. Um, there's one where I uh, one where I thought he really should have kept, but he's really kind of. Uh, proven me the wrong. one where he blocked around the outside for no, penny like yeah, 20 not, yards downfield i'm not even gonna include that one because <laughs> okay. uh, the key because whoever the keep kept was it was gonna go far yeah, yeah. The, so they just vacated that side of the field so the but the, there was one where he kept and there, there was like just no one on that side of the field it, it was one of our worst rushes of the game 38 yard rush for penny is like our longest rush on the season um do you guys think that um the seahawks are going to move in the direction of rashad penny over mike davis at this point or is this going to be a three-headed monster and kind of ride the hot hand how do, you, how do you see this running back situation evolving as the season goes on? Okay, so first of all, it's going to depend on Chris Carson's health because at this point, I think you're probably going to not rush him back. Mike Davis, I still think he's probably going to... I think the carries are probably going to go 60-40, but they're going to alternate. So you're looking at Mike Davis getting a healthy share, followed by Rashad Penny getting a healthy share. And uh, from there, I think Chris Carson, when he gets worked in, it's going to be a totally different call. But at this point, they're not going to give everything to Rashad Penny. I mean, I don't, I don't see that. Just because he's still young, it's not like we've been hiding him from the league. It's that you know Pete Carroll said he hasn't been the guy that he, he's not ready yet. 
So uh, he said he will be good. I still think they're going to ease him in to a point. Right. Uh, I think the big thing is CJ Prosize ran his way out of any chance of carries. Uh, he's just clearly not as effective. Uh, Penny, what the, the big one, thing... the one pass block snap he played in this game kind of talked you out of. Wait, real quick, well, before... and the one carry for negative three yards. And before you go into Penny, Kevin, would you say that this? Here's a leading question, Kevin. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll not make it a leading question. Do you think that Prosize is kind of? Uh, maybe clash with this offensive game plan? I guess that's a leading question. Still. No, I think the situation is that ProSize was more athletic than the backs that we had when he came in, and then we got better backs. I think he's just injured to the point where it's not it's not what His it lower body is just not going like to do what it should. He's hiding his limp, and it's causing him to slow down? No, I just think that he's lost a step. Uh, repeated lower body injuries are a problem, and he's had them since college. Uh, Rashad Penny, the thing that was nice about him as opposed to Mike Davis, there were three plays where you saw Rashad Penny just flat out made a guy miss. Um, The thing that was upsetting to to me was that we didn't see him really utilized in the passing game because this is a guy where if you give him the ball in space, he showed like on the hoof, you don't want to be trying to tackle this guy one-on-one. He is a pain in the butt. He can set you up. He has like he has the ability to quickly open his stride, and suddenly like your angle of pursuit is a bad angle. He showed that a couple of times on that touchdown run um, to the he has outside. His agility for his size too, which is yeah, awesome. he's maneuverable. I mean, the arm tackles don't work let's really be, well. Let's let's be honest though, Kevin. I mean, it's not just Rashad Penny that didn't get catches in this game. It was literally everyone that wasn't named like Lockett or Baldwin. Well, and that was my biggest problem with the game. We didn't really open up the passing attack until it was functionally too late in the fourth quarter drive. Um, We had some weird management, like three-minute offense at the end of the second quarter was way too heavy on running the ball, and we ended up getting basically nothing out of it. Uh, In the fourth quarter, there was just, it was a slow two-minute offense. There was no sense of urgency. And then I think Jermaine Effetti had his worst game in weeks. Like, Jermaine Effetti, he didn't have a terrible game, but he had his worst game in several weeks. Okay, I'm going to I gotta get on my uh, my, my horse here. This team, the, their linebackers suck. The linebackers for the Rams, for, for the Rams were horrible in this game, and, and, and really in every game. And we only had two, two pass attempts to tight ends, and I felt like there was a completely exploitable middle of the field. And it's it's really frustrating for me to watch Seahawks game after Seahawks game where guys don't ske- get seem to get schemed open. You know, there's the scheme should have been, you know, get a tight end into one-on-one coverage and just destroy these bad linebackers until they change something that they're doing and we just didn't do it. And I feel like there's some kind of refusal from I don't know if it's Pete or Schottenheimer. I'm starting to think it might be a Pete philosophy thing where they just want to establish the run and then the any passes they do are just like so simplistic concepts. Like go watch what the Rams did on offense and then watching what we did on offense, it was like night and day. You know, yeah. Just the the the, the yeah. way that guys on their team just seem to to run into spaces that are open on the field and ske- they scheme themselves open like yes they have good athletes but Ro- is robert woods better than doug baldwin i don't think thank so. you is brandon cooks really that much better than tyler mm-hmm. lockett i'm not sure lockett has been very good this season and shown a lot athletically so at this point like these guys need to be getting schemed open and it's really starting to piss me off well and in from our patreon podcast when we do the picks uh we talked about the saints and the eagles coming up and kevin made a comment about how the Saints' offense is going to rain hell on the Eagles' defense all day because of how the defense on the Eagles, their their cornerbacks play. And that's another example of a team that can scheme any player, not any player, but uh, not every player, any player well, we're, open. We're about to see times. if it's any player because they have Brandon Marshall now. Yeah. So we're about to see if any player can get open on the Saints. <laughs> Good point. Yep. That, is, that is the definition of any player But right it's now. it's a team that you can find their exploitable games, and I think the Seahawks... They're not always, like you said, you know, scheming for their players or scheming against a defense. And I don't think there's any team in this league that we can be like, that's the team we'd match up against all the time, unless that team is well, a bad team. And I think that's frustrating is that I feel like Schottenheimer can obviously do something in the scheming because the first 10 plays of the last two games have been excellent. He has come out with an offensive game plan in those first 10 plays that really looks that like it exploits what they don't, what they're messing up. It exploits the other team. And then after those first 10 plays, it's just the same stuff. Establish the run, 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 pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And I, Which, if you're front running, is not a bad offense. 
but if you're trying to play catch up, is a terrible offense. And when we're in the fourth quarter down ten, and they ran the, another like inside handoff, I almost just walked out of the room. I couldn't take it. Just can't. I can't handle it. Like there's there's no reason we should be paying Russell Wilson twenty five million dollars to throw it twenty six times a game. Like he's way too good. You well, mentioned that it's, it's a waste. It's, it's a waste. Well, twenty six like, times for a six point eight yard average, and that's with it being inflated a little bit towards the end. I feel like. Um, there's a few things going on. Like six targets went to Mike Davis. Mike Davis is not going to get you a lot of extra. If you're trying to, like, I feel like they exploited the linebackers. He needs to get with head, limited speed. He needs to get a using head full of steam legs. to break tackles. He's not the kind of guy who's just going to make guys miss in the open field. Right. You flip that same ball to uh, Vanette, and he's probably just a little bit behind the linebacker. You flip that same ball to Rashad Penny, and he could probably make one guy miss and pick up an extra six to ten yards. Like, I I agree. We're in this odd point where it's like we we still haven't completely figured out our personnel and how to utilize them, but it should be pretty obvious to everybody in the room. Like, you know what people can and can't do, and we're choosing not to do it. You know, uh, Lockett had 67 yards, 13.4 average, but he had a long pass of 29, which means that he had four catches for... 38 yards outside of that, you know, so outside of the, well, probably the long touchdown catch, I think was the 29 yarder. So outside of that one pass, it was mostly like not particularly deep stuff. There was one other kind of deep over the middle. Um, Doug Baldwin had less than 10 yards per catch. Like Another thing that's frustrating for me too is that like when we run this conservative offense like this, Kevin, with the shorter passes and the shorter runs, it leaves like no margin for error. And so then the, the Seahawks, like time and time again, they play these good teams. We're good enough to beat them. We hung in there with the Rams. We hung in there with Twice. the Chargers. We hung in there Twice. with the Bears. These are all teams. And against all three of those teams, one turnover was backbreaking. Like that we could not come back. We couldn't come back from those pick sixes or the fumble in this game. Like it it, ta- it takes the margin of error just completely out. We, we can't put anyone away. We can't get far enough ahead of teams because we, we can't run away with the game. It's, it's literally impossible. We, we make it so it's impossible for us to get ahead like that. Yep. I mean, this is it's better than wait around for Russell Wilson to do something magical, but it's really trading one problem for another. Like, it'd be lovely to throw on first down sometime. Yeah. I, that'd, be, that'd be pretty nice. Like, it'd be nice to... Um, like, I understand they're allowing Russell Wilson to check into runs, which is something he's doing to great effect, but... I think they need to encourage him to use his arm a little bit more, keep teams a little more honest. In the modern NFL, if you're running, you're running to set up the pass. Like a running offense in and of itself is not a high-quality NFL offense. I would just keep running. And it's it's just a matter of being too predictable all the time. Or even if we're not predictable, it just takes us so long to score. And it's backbreaking for a defense when uh, you know you run the ball and you have like a nice long drive and then you get a touchdown or a field goal and then they come out six like five plays chunk yards touchdown and then we get a turnover and there's been a sequence like that in each of the last several losses and that's mentally a difficult thing for a team to deal with but you're also sitting there going, you know that we can't put together a fast drive. Or if we do put together a fast drive, it's almost more frustrating because you're sitting there going, why weren't we doing this all along? Yeah. This is something we're capable of. I just I just don't. The offense, this offense is is, is infuriating to watch. It's so frustrating. Like, um, I'm optimistic because we're going to beat people. Like, we're going to win several of our upcoming games. But... It doesn't make it less frustrating that we should have won more of the ones we played. Like, why is the 11th ranked past DVOA team only throwing like 26 times? It's just that kind of stuff. Just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me that the and other people tell me stuff like, oh well, if we passed it more, the efficiency would go down. But how much? Russell Wilson had a 121 passer rating in this last game. What's it going to go down to like 105? Ooh, no, not 105. Like, the Saints are out here stepping on people's throats, throwing it a million times, even though they're up by 40 because they want Breeze to break the record. I just wish I, we could play with that same sense of urgency. 
Yeah, like if you want to look up the numbers real quick to be able to pull this off, let's legitimately look at it. In the last game against the Rams defense passing, Russell Wilson on balls that traveled more than 10 yards in the air, what were what did his numbers look like? So um, the 10 to 15 and the 15. He went, he went 6 for 10. 6 for 10. So if you throw it four more times, he would probably complete at least half of those. Right. So then so, it would be eight for, 8 for 14, which is still fine, and he's still going to have like a, an excellent passer rating. Right. That's the thing. 8 for 14, but you're picking up, you know, two chunk plays of, you know, 10 to 20 yards or more is going to do a lot more for the offense. You know, then all of a sudden you have Russell Wilson throwing for, you know, like 200, 225. So he's 19 for 28 for 225. His average goes up to closer to like eight yards per attempt. You're looking at an offense that doesn't require perfection every time. How many passing yards did Russ have this game, Kevin? 176. 176 for Russell Wilson against... The Rams. That's just no. That's again, not enough. That's I mean, ridiculous. He's, he's twenty. He has less dr- pass dropbacks this year than Carson Wentz. Only one quarterback who started all nine games for his team this season has less dropbacks than Russell Wilson this year. So it's just it's who is it? Oh, that's under pressure. I I didn't look at the whole thing. My bad. Let me look. Dropbacks straight up. Uh, actually, there's four more. But Phil. Oh no, I was right. Phil Rivers is the only one. That started all nine games. That has less dropbacks than Russell. And I bet his attempts over twenty yards or over ten yards are much higher. Yeah, but he also has like Phil Rivers is crushing it this year. Here, um, we can I can look up deep passing stats in a sec. So deep deep passing, uh, deep pass attempts. Russell Wilson is he's fourteenth. He's right in the middle of the pack. Where's Phil? Phil Phil is also right. He's right one. He has one less. Ooh. So um, but. Phil, uh, Phil is without, they're both killing it though. That's the thing. Russell Wilson is fourth in the league in NFL rating on deep passes. He's right between Andrew sandwich between Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers. And I just don't think the efficiency drop would be bad enough. I mean, let's see, he's one twenty four point seven NFL rating on deep passes. What's he going to drop to like one ten? So he'd be between Carson Wentz and Ben Roethlisberger in eleventh. I think that would be worth it. Like I would love to have him attempting more deep passes, and I, I would fully accept the efficiency drop that goes with it and attempt a couple of them on first down like shock the hell out of somebody we do all of this running use that play action on first down go against trend just to screw with people like that's effective and we've been doing there's a play that i really like and we've do it we've done it in our wins and we've done it in our losses we've been doing play action where we utilize the running back or an extra tight end to be just a guy about two yards downfield so that way, if Russell can't make his read, he has a dump-off option, and it's been really, really effective. If we keep utilizing that option, then a dump-off that's basically a guaranteed pass for three or four yards, that's what you're expecting out of that first down run. Can we talk about dump-offs? Because I think this is the big this is the big problem with Russell Wilson. One of the big problems with Russell Wilson this What's that? year. That he doesn't dump it off. Like he, he sticks with the play for so long. His time... To pass attempt is third word, third slowest in the league, two point seven nine seconds to to a pass attempt. You know, Roethlisberger is first, two point three eight. So that's a pretty significant difference. And I think that he just he holds on to the ball for so long. And I mean, that's 20, where his responsibility 20, on some of those sacks. Twenty seven of his twenty nine sacks are after he's held the ball for two and a half or more seconds. So that's I mean, it's just brutal. It's that's it's why we have so many sacks. Now he does have fifteen of his touchdowns on those two and a half seconds or more. So it's hard for me to say, like, should he hold on to the ball? He's, he's extending plays, but he takes a lot of really gnarly yeah, bad sacks. It goes down to what Kevin was saying about, or and what you were saying too, about throwing the ball more. Like, if he if he gets it out quicker and dumps it to his tight end. I mean, look at a... And that's basically a run play, right? It is, but that's exactly... Right, the old West Coast offense run. This is what San Diego does. And they do it very well. They dump it off to Eckler. They dump it off to Melvin Gordon. It's what New Orleans does, yeah. It's what New Orleans it's what does Kansas to Kansas City does. Kansas City does to Hunt. It's and what and, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. I was going to say, let's go through a more prolific offense. The San Francisco 49ers and Kittle. Like, that is a guy that they dump it off. That was a joke. But in all seriousness, they're dumping it off to Kittle all the time. That's because he's their only healthy receiver. That could be true. But my point is, <laughs> they always have an Taste option. The rainbow. 
All these guys have options. All these teams have an, a dump-off option. And I don't know if Russ, one, has the option on every play or most plays, but also he's choosing not to use that's it like a, when he does. I, I think that he used to not have that option. That's true. And I think that's something he's being trained on. Because I would say the last four weeks you've seen him starting to use it more and more. If that trend continues, we could have a very different looking offense. It's another option for him, and it's another weapon. That's something I've heard, too, is that that Russ goes to the line with a run play and a pass play every play and gets to decide whether we run or pass. So it's it's almost Russ's choice that we're running this much, which, if so, I mean, Russ needs to get it together. <laughs> like, if that's a true story, like, he comes to the line with a run and a pass and makes a read and decides to run, like... Yeah, you're get, these runs have been pretty successful, but like at some point you gotta like open it up a little bit, big dog. You gotta like take the take the Ferrari out of the garage, you know. Like, well, and I really like twenty four running back carries. Like that's a good number, but again, just because you have twenty four running back carries doesn't mean you can't attempt more passes. Like our total number of offensive plays is not that high. No, our number of offensive plays is very low. All right, we've it's it's a lot of three and outs. That's why. Let's let's. Switch over. Let's go ahead and I think we've I think we've beat this dead horse. Okay. Let, let's talk defense. Talk defense. Okay. They picked our zone apart mercilessly. Yeah. Our secondary our zone got killed. Our secondary had a bad day. Um I don't think there's any other way to put it. Um Sean McVay looked really smart. Because McDougald and Coleman got picked apart. Griffin and Flowers got picked apart. Like no one was no one was safe in this game in terms of like who was getting who was getting beat back there. Yeah, we could not cover Cooks' speed across the middle, and they knew it. Coleman had a really tough game. gave up seven receptions for ninety eight yards, um, four first downs. Brad gave up five first downs on eight receptions for seventy seven yards. They but, were doing some really like tricky things with their tight ends as far as keeping them on a delayed block, not even a chip, but like a legitimate block. And then sending out like Gurley and Higby and Everett all at once and forcing the linebackers to choose who to cover. Like they, they were doing some pretty gnarly stuff that was really difficult for our defense to deal with. I don't like to be that guy who's like already thinking about the draft because this is definitely still a team that could make the playoffs. But if cornerback is not like the number one or number two priority for this team heading into next year, um, they're watching different team than me i think we yes. need at least the competition in there and yes. competent bodies exactly like i don't i don't know like flowers and griffin could be the answer but they're young and they need to be pushed and if that's you know bringing in greedy williams or some you know like someone like that with the 15th pick in the draft that would be incredible to me well and quality cornerback talent is like young pitching in baseball people want it you can get something for it if you have to deal it right exactly you could find a use for it there's not there's and the, and you play them on special teams all over the place like right. you're gonna play these guys we didn't spend a super high round pick on trey flowers so if he didn't work out not that big of a deal coleman's contract isn't huge we'd be able to move him if we got somebody who can do it better you know uh griffin i mean yeah we put some resources into him but if he ends up being our number two that's a good number two it's when he's our number one is where we need him to step up big. So yeah. we, we've uh, we've clearly stated our disappointment in the secondary. Uh, gave a couple stats to go with it. Pass rush was um, good. Pass rush was aight. Yeah, I thought Jacob Martin had a decent game. I thought Mingo was good when they put him down there to pass rush. Uh, thought, three uh, sacks. Jefferson had a solid game, pass yeah. rushing. Yeah, he was fine. Uh, Jefferson, you know, they don't play him a ton of snaps. Like, they played him with 30. Yeah. Something like that. 32, uh, I can see I, it right here. I didn't like uh, Green. They had Green in at defensive tackle a couple of times, and he just didn't seem to have the strength. I think he's a guy who could show up with a whole new body next year, healthy yeah. after a whole season of working you out with like the NFL weight team. It seemed like they gave him reps in this game for that. Yeah, like that, that yeah. nice run stop on the 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 like the one of the two run plays he was in. on. He did. Uh, Reed the, was everywhere. Reed. Reed is the guy this year. He is I, always everywhere. I liked Reed a lot, but they're playing him way too many snaps. Like playing Reed for fifty three snaps, I think is like a, a joke. They should, was Nas Jones benched again? Or a yes, he was. Again? He was. Oh, healthy God, scratch. I hate that. Uh, and so the tackle rotation was really thin because it's just Jefferson, Reed, and Steven. So all those guys are going to get like forty snaps. Yeah, that's not or good. More, uh, except unless they want to play Jefferson for like thirty five or forty. Could sit Procise and have an extra D tackle. Yeah, sit pro Or the NFL get, could get rid of their antiquated rules and we could actually run our roster. Yeah, Puna Ford would have been nice to have in this game or just, yeah, he just anyone. Well, Puna Ford would have been great because he was we're active. having such a well, problem. I guess he was active, but he only had like 18 snaps. And like, that's unfortunate because they were killing us with those inside zone runs to Todd Gurley. Okay. And Puna Ford 
uh, absolutely is great at stopping those. Can we please talk about the way that they ran the ball? I yep. mean, you cannot, you cannot tell me that like a team that averages over eight yards a rush on first down. Well, how do you stop them? You don't. You don't. You can't let a team get into f- second and two on every single set of downs they get. It's it was ridiculous the way that they were able to just get eight yards, ten yards. I don't even think Gurley played that good, but he was he just ran through a giant hole on every single play. Well, that and there were a lot of arm tackles. Like, I saw Clark with a missed tackle. Um, a lot of our defensive line, uh, Gabe Jackson, there were a number of times where he just got a hand on him. And it's like, you, you can't just get a hand on a decent NFL running back. Yeah, and Gurley is better than decent. He's, he's like, legitimately good. Right. Um, yeah, it was just tough. It was a tough day all around uh, for the for this defense. Um, no one was safe. Like, Bobby gave up three receptions for 31 yards. He had 11 tackles. I mean, it was a very efficient day for him. But he wasn't. Um, he didn't wasn't able to tilt the axis by himself. You know, he there needed, was a four three help. There was a four three under look that we played in this game that I really liked. Um, that was interesting. It's, so when that's, we were, that was special for the Rams, right? Get, get five guys on the line of scrimmage. Didn't we kind of talk about this? Uh, we've uh, talked about it off and on, it. and they they showed it again. And so just to kind of recap what that is, what you end up with is almost like a three four. Except it's like a 5-2. Yeah. So like Clark can be playing. Yeah, it's like a bear coverage. And then Clark can either flap, flip out to the zone, uh, to the flats and play zone. Or you have um, one of the outside linebackers like Mingo on the other side. And then you basically have three defensive tackles. The thing I like about this look is that Tyler Higby doesn't scare me. So, like, it you're not going to get killed by Tyler Higby probably. Although, I mean, he did have three pretty good receptions and a touchdown. Uh, but you, you're not going to get punished for for like oh no he, uh, Mingo got singled up on a on a tight end like yeah you you take your ten yards on that one and hopefully you slow down the run it didn't work like that but well they kept having those like quick hits to the inside and when they would get on a roll with those we'd switch to that and it would just clog up the whole middle and they couldn't do anything like if somebody wants to run up the middle that's a look we have in our pocket that just absolutely murders your inside run. One thing that's frustrating, too, is their wide receivers just killed it on the outside in terms of blocking and just, like, opened it, like, made it extended. What happens when that happens is it extends the play, like, makes it so we got to go even farther downfield before we can get the tackle. We have really good tackling cornerbacks, so, like, you have to block those guys. And they they, they did. did. They did. Robert Woods and Cooks were all over that that shit. Yeah, yeah. Woods had a few noticeably good blocks. Yeah. Um... Yeah, Woods was Woods is legit. I I hate Woods because like he's the kind of guy where I think about him and I'm like, yeah, he just does everything pretty good, but he's just like a really solid NFL player. He's perfect for this te- Rams team. It's very very annoying. <laughs> Much annoyed. Wow. Okay. You this guys whole wanna... game was annoying. It was honestly like our defense played well at times, but not great at other times. Our offense had a great run game, but we couldn't get the pass going. Still lost by five points, six points. What a freaking letdown. Yeah, it was, it's tough, especially because, you know, we're up, what, 21-20? There's some obvious huge faults in this game. Like up 14-10, up 21-20. Big problems in this game, and we still lost by just that much on the road against the Rams. Yeah, the big frustrations for me, we needed to- uh, the onside kick with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, with a with a kicker who can't do onside kicks. Also, with the, with the new rules, which I think since the new rules have been implemented, there's been zero successful onside kicks. Correct? Yeah, I much more like when we put uh, um, when we put uh, our when we put punt hub Dixon. out there, Dixon, and have him do that drop kick because then they have to play it like it could be an onside, and they just end up with like a really crappy return every time, which is more valuable, honestly. Like, if we could just make you return it to the 13 instead of getting the ball at the 25, way more valuable. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, but, like, this uh, game. Let's just, the let's, slow two-minute offense. Let's just make this happen. The slow three-minute offense at the end of the second quarter. How was it? Was it even possible for us to win this game without creating a turnover? No. Like, that's fair. Yes. That's a, that's a great question. It's, I don't. It's very difficult, I think. Yes. You well, think we could have won this game without making We had the last drive. Yeah, we we're we're never gonna score on that. <laughs> I was so to, I was so down. We had to punt the ball away. There was still time left on the clock. We had to punt the ball at the end. We scored. We kicked off to them. Um, that was when Dixon actually did do the drop kick. We got the ball back because we managed to shut them down, and then we ended up 
Getting the ball back with like a minute thirty se- or with like two thirty seven or something like that left. And I've seen and this. And we I've drove this, and couldn't put a drive together. I've seen this song and dance before though. Like the when the team really at the end of the game, this, this happened with San Diego too. Like we got it down to close and then just we just like can't because they know drives. they can pin their ears back and we don't have fast enough developing pass plays. Yeah, we don't have a we don't have like a three yard or a five yard out pick play like everyone else does. Like, that just, Which is ridiculous because. Honestly, between Lockett and Baldwin, those are two guys who should be able to get a step on just about anybody. So it begs the question, what are we doing that prevents that? All right. Let me, let me, let me say this, though. According to DVOA, this team still has a 30.5% chance to make the playoffs, 14.3% chance to get the five seed, 16.2% chance to get the get the six seed. And I believe it's because we are of a really good DVOA and we play both the teams that are kind of in front of us for the wild card right now. That's number six seed. Yeah, we control our own fate. We can kind of, we kind of are in charge of whether or not we're going to make it. So here's my question for you guys. Does, do we need this win to make the playoffs or is is the dream still alive? I had us losing each of the last two games and still had us in the playoffs. So you know my opinion already. I did too. We have to, there are games coming up where we can't lose. And I feel like they're winnable games. And to go into L.A. and win is hard. Uh, to win against the Chargers, we knew that was going to be hard. I you, feel like this is still so you, definitely so just, doable. Would you say that we just kind of coughed up our margarine of error? Yes. Marge, yeah, that's marge. fair. But margarine. also, <laughs> we, can, we can lose one more game this year. So if we lose, we can lose to either Kansas City or Carolina. And we can't really lose to any of the other teams on our schedule. We have to beat Green Bay, San Francisco twice, Minnesota, and Arizona. Three of those should be easy. I feel like all those games you mentioned are all of them be are wins. eminently winnable. Three of them should be easily winnable. If we can't beat San Francisco twice in Arizona, we didn't deserve to be in the conversation. You really think we got? You really think we got to go ten and six to make the playoffs? Because I don't. I think we only got to get to nine and seven, especially if we win against Green Bay and Minnesota. Uh, if we go nine and seven. We need something to break our way. If we go ten and six, well, because like, we have controlled our own destiny. In think about green, like green so. If Bay. we want, if we want to guarantee playoffs, I think we have to win ten. If we want to likely win on tiebreakers, we can do nine. Yeah, I think that Green Bay, like Green Bay, if we beat them, that puts us in a pretty good spot because we're going to basically have the the same record. Right? Yeah, if we beat Green Bay in Minnesota, then it's a matter of what are this, what are the records in the South. Because the East is not getting two play two teams in because their division winner is going to be like nine and seven. Minnesota has like a brutal schedule too. They got to play at Bears, at Patriots, uh, versus versus Bears. They still have two games against the Bears. Yeah, Minnesota's not making the playoffs. Um, okay, <laughs> all right. So let's go into our our game this week. We are playing Thursday night football coming up soon against the Packers. Coming in hot. Uh, Green Bay's fourteenth uh, in. Uh, Defensive DVOA, they are eighth in offense. Eighth right? in offensive DVOA, they are ranked tenth overall. Their special behind, teams is crap. Just behind the Seahawks, who are currently trucking in eighth. Uh, so this Green Bay Packers team, you have you guys got a chance to check them out this year? I have. I I watched two been on of, TV a lot. I watched two of their full games on uh, the the quick the quick replay today. So I have like a the last two games. So I have pretty strong opinions. I um, I do as well. I'm curious what yours are. Okay. Well, they played against the Dolphins last week. They won 31-12, to and I thought that they were not really that good. Like, I was, like, surprised how un- how I was, like, not impressed by them. Um, I think their defense is, is, is pretty good, actually. The defense is, is impressive. The offense, like, they just, all they did was, like, gash the gash them over and over with running plays. Their passing game was actually pretty disappointing. I don't think they have enough weapons in the pass game. Like a disappointing like array of weapons for Aaron Rodgers. So if we can slow down Aaron Jones, which is difficult to do. He's averaged, he averaged 10 yards a rush last week. Oh, but uh, their, their offensive play caller does a great job of slowing yeah, him down. He only, <laughs> he only did 15 rushes. Like you have this guy. He's got 15 rushes for 145 yards. You might want to throw him a couple more, a couple extra. You know, give him, give him a little bone. No, nah, right? I do that. And you don't want to, you don't want to mess up that stat line. Give the, the ball to Jamal. The thing that's crazy instead. too is that he gets through the line like untouched. Their offensive line blocks good. Their offensive line is like lights out. It's, I'm really glad we're playing them at home. Looking yeah. at Aaron Rodgers though, and you said the weapons in those games you watched. Have you seen Aaron Rodgers' displeasure with his receivers? It, it's written all over his face. 
and in his words that you can kind of read it's, out of his lips. It's it seems like he's super unwilling to throw throw the the, the, the you know before Aaron Rodgers throw a lot of the 50 50 ball. deep balls, you know, just mm-hmm. I'm going to trust in my wide receivers. He didn't he did not do that against Miami. He uh, trusts Adams, but Adams is the is not that kind of receiver. Yeah, it's Adams not. is a possession guy. And he knows that Randall Cobb isn't going to be that guy either. Nope. Uh, Let me go over their schedule. I like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but he's the same thing. He's like a... They have all these, like, mid-rangey possession receivers. Well, no. uh, Valdez-Scantling is over six feet tall and is really, really fast. He should be a deep threat. He's just not being used as one. Yeah, I was going to say, last last week they went six receptions to him for 44 yards. He had 32 of his yards after catch. They were getting him the ball, like, one or two yards from the line of scrimmage and letting him work. He's like if Lockett was 6'1", but had worse hands. And Equinemius St. Brown is not learning Rogers' trust. That's, That's not a real the... person. You made that up. <laughs> That's one of the guys who is, uh, you can see Rogers get really upset with him. You know he has a brother named Amun Ra St. Brown, right? Do you guys, did you guys know that? Is that for real? Yeah, I'm not lying. Goodness. That Green Bay has like three tight ends in their regular rotation. Yep. Like they play like. Luke. One of them is James Graham. They have Jimmy Graham. No, no, they, Mar- James Graham stayed here. Mercedes Lewis and Lance Kendricks, and they that's they a play, who's who of people who used to be good. They play them all like pretty regularly. They should like, sign Jamal Finley. Ten to twenty snaps per game that. minimum. So I uh, I want to go over their schedule real quick, and I want to see if you see what I see. So week one versus Bears, twenty four twenty three win. Week two versus Vikings, twenty nine twenty nine tie. <laughs> you forgot week about three, that tie, didn't you? I did. Week three at Redskins, 31-17 loss. Week four versus Bills, 22-0 win. Week five at Lions, 31-23 loss. Week six. They gave up 30 points to the 49ers, I remember this game. Yep, 49ers, they lost 33-30. Uh, at Rams, lost 29-27. At Patriots, lost 31-17. Uh, versus Dolphins won 31-12. Yeah, What's the theme there, Eric? Most of the games are really close. <laughs> there's, a, there's a better theme. I'm just uh, saying, though, they play everyone close. It doesn't matter how much they suck. They're, they're not doing so well against uh, medium to medium good teams. Yeah, they only beat crappy teams except in the for, Bears Week 1. Except for the Bears Week 1, which was like, that team needed just a few weeks to and come together. And Week 1 is hard. I mean, if we played the Denver Broncos now, I think we'd have no problem winning that game. They beat, the Bills, by, they beat the Bills 22-0. They beat the 49ers by three and gave up 30 points. They beat the Dolphins. Unfortunately for us, they have a really easy schedule down the stretch. They lost a lot. They get to play Arizona, the Jets, and the Lions. So They already lost one to the Lions. They could lose two. Lions at home, if they need to win, they'll get that W. So I I think they're going to end up losing to us, the Vikings, and the Bears, and the Falcons. Yeah, the the thing is, they could easily go 9-6-1 with this... (laughs) With this and then we would lose to nine, nine, at nine and seven, which is why we need to end up ten and six. Yeah, so something stupid doesn't hurt us. Because I can see them winning. Like if they win this game, we need to win this game. Because if they win this game, they their path to nine six and one is pretty easy. If they lose this game, it's kind of it's kind of tricky. Kevin, who's their right. best defensive player this year? They got their land. They got some landmines. Oh, it's a uh, it's it's uh, Jair Alexander. No, it's Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and they traded him. No, Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander's been good. He's just been hurt. That so, guy, that guy can play. That man. guy can play, but I, I'm saying like I kind of their defense thought, is not very good. They when, lack pass rush. When they traded up for Jair Alexander, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work out, and they they really proved me wrong there. I'm I uh I, I will I'll eat my words. This on is that how one. it worked out. Yeah, it worked out fine. Yeah, I mean, th- so Kenny Clark's been doing a bit, but if you're relying on Blake Martinez to close out your sacks, that's not good. Yeah, Blake Martinez is like a really solid like. Coverage tackling guy. Tyler Fackrell has been one of the, like their big sack guys. Like these aren't good things. Kenny Clark is like their like their most like useful football player right now. Yeah, and the interior of our offensive line has been much better than the last couple yeah, of years. You don't, if your nose tackle leads your team in sacks, you probably have problems like with pass rush. That's, yeah, that's my opinion. So you like we talked about earlier teams that we match up pretty well against. This is one. Like we should be able to take our shots and win. Uh, our pass rush should be able to get enough well, going. It depends at home. They are twenty sixth in the in DVOA against deep passes. So all we got to do to beat them is actually throw it deep. Actually. Dial it up like we know we can. Yep. Dial it up, throw it deep. Yeah, because Lockett should be able to beat you know them. What they and, should do. And Doug Baldwin's finally looking healthy. Right. They should. They should get Rex Grossman in to be the quarterbacks coach. I think that he would really be able to touch <laughs> Russell's heart and show him the power of going deep. Uh, you aren't going to win a game with a five-yard checkdown, buddy. Rexy's got the arm. 
And they just got to teach him. Russ has got the arm. Got to be sexy like Rexy. Yeah. Uh, tw- they're also Sorry for blowing out your ears. I got surprise Rex Grossman there, and it killed 20, me. 21st against running. RIP your headphones. 21st against running back DVOA as well. Uh, I would love to see some short passes to Penny or Carson, whichever one plays. Get them into space. Let them work. Uh, just try to work away from Blake Martinez because, as Kevin mentioned, he has had a really good season. He's kind of but he's slow. He's kind of made the leap as like a useful, good NFL middle linebacker. Like the problem is that he he's slow, and you can't you can't like train up speed that way. He'll always what? be a step slow. You can't teach speed. Can't teach speed. Dang it! What have I been where's, paying all this money for? Where's Herm Edwards? Is he in the room? I hear him. You play to win the game. That was a very Hermy thing to say. Hello, uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackson uh, got got hired, guys. Just, that's all you need to know. Yeah. All right. Huge let's... action got hired. All right. Let's get uh, into the the money zone where you can help. Oh, out the... whoa! We haven't whoa, done whoa, picks. Whoa. We haven't done college. Oh, thank see, you, Mister Antsy Pants. At least do I'm, picks. I'm on a time budget here, buddy. So we gotta we gotta move on. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, Seahawks. I'm gonna go Seahawks. 20 no wait you know what these win thursday night games are weird seahawks 42 packers <laughs> 14 <laughs> thursday night games are weird man like just weird uh, stuff happens on thursday I love night football. That. eric 34 17 35 17 See, eric joining me on the weird stuff happens on thursday night's train oh we're gonna get conservative when we're up in the fourth quarter seattle 29 Kevin's smart because we just we just spent like a full forty five minutes talking about how the Seahawks can't run away with games, and then, <laughs> and then me and Eric both pick blowouts. Pound uh, it, Eric, pound it. Seattle twenty nine, and I'm gonna give Green Bay seventeen. All right, let's. Ooh, uh, Kevin with a close one. Let's give it up for all the Seahawks no, close Patreons. That's right. You want to be a Patreon? You want to help out the Seahawks Nest podcast? Head over to patreoncom Nest for as little as a dollar twenty four a month. You can receive our picks podcast and maybe some extra goodies. Uh, I want to thank Nick, Michelle. Frank, Arthur, Keith, Mirza, David, Mike, Brett, Kieran, Chuckatilla, Carrie, Lucas, Tom, Richard, and Forrest. You guys are awesome. You're you know what they should out. all do? They should all... They should all watch Cincinnati at UCF at 5 o'clock <laughs> on ABC because God. that's going to be a great game. Oh my gosh. Otherwise, uh, you have a double... You have like an 11.30 and a 12.30 game. Syracuse is playing Notre Dame, and West Virginia is going to get points against Oklahoma State. What? Um, here, uh, let, let me let me. Nope, just, nope. Let me that's it. You already rushed through. Keep going. Uh, the Spurs are playing the Phoenix Suns <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, you can watch that. Uh, it's not on Who national televisions. Uh, you know soon. the uh, LSU played Memphis in basketball, college basketball today. I'm just, <laughs> no. Uh, okay, then uh, I've lost train of thought. Facebook, Twitter. Um, there's other social media, I'm sure. Uh, paid Friendster, Stitcher, Friendster. Uh, <laughs> uh, what other social live journal? What other social media exists? Uh, uh, you can Deviant Snapchat. If you Deezid. could, yeah, if you could find Eric's Tinder. live journal, please, please tweet it to us. We would love to see what MySpace. he thought. Yeah, twenty years ago about and AOL uh, Instant Messenger. When when was like the last time someone Google posted Plus. to us? I do this big write up on the Hailbot comet you, and how we're all gonna be writing on it. <laughs> do you guys think that there are still people actively posting to Live Journal or not? Sure, absolutely. What the? What's wrong with people? There's bloggers, bloggers gonna blog. <laughs> the world is a terrible place. That's 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 like what my takeaway from that is that if people are still writing on Live Journal, like there's something wrong. I believe you mean posting to their LJ. <laughs> that's true that's true you know what when you put it like that how can i resist uh head over to livejournal.com slash seahawks uh, okay uh what what else um kevin i wanted to ask you a draft related question and i wanted to put it after the break all right what's okay because i have two i have two things okay that, so i was looking at the um the top the top 100 prospects from various sources i looked at different sources and it seemed on average only about 30 of the top 100 were defensive players but 15 of those 30 guys are defensive linemen. So my question for you is, is that like, is it like a slam dunk? The Seahawks are going to take some kind of inside or outside defensive lineman this year. Or do you think that the, is there like an overabundance of this guys that might lead to us pushing farther back in the draft? Like I'm, I'm curious, like we need to obviously need one more defensive lineman in the rotation. It's, yep. it's very apparent. Like if, if Daz Jones isn't the answer, if he's just going to be healthy and active every week, like we need to draft someone to, to play in that spot. So would you, if you're the GM of the Seahawks, are you like zoned in on like, I got to scout all these defensive linemen and get the one that slips? Or are you, are you make, are you looking in another direction? Like, I'm kind of curious where uh, your head's at. There. I am 100% thinking what you're saying. I just don't know if it's going to be the same way. Uh, my thought on the matter is, 
if a top 10 talent slips to 20, then you don't pass that up. But if I'm sitting there... What if it's Malik McDowell? So like you're saying like if Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen is a borderline top 10 talent. Like I, maybe even better. It depends on how you rate him. But Josh Allen seems really good. I'd have to see uh, more of him and do my full scout. But yeah, let's say it's something... Or let's say it's uh, Clellan uh, Farrell from uh, Clemson. Someone like... Okay, so that's someone you know really well. Yeah, Clellan uh, Farrell's it, good. So let's say for some reason he's sitting there at like 20th. You're going to pick him up. Like period or if uh you know one of these defensive tackles if Rashawn Gary or Dexter Lawrence or like either of the Alabama defensive tackles yeah Raekwon Davis or uh um uh Quinton Williams is like sitting there like or even like Draymond Jones who's a three tech if if they're sitting there like way low and you really liked them through the process but if I'm sitting there going you know if I trade back and I can get like Isaiah Bugs in the third round or something. I, I keep referring to this as like the defensive line equivalent of the Tyler Lockett draft, where there was so much depth at receiver that a guy like Lockett, who was really productive in college, there was a lot to like about him on tape. I love this dude coming out. And I was like, man, if this guy was 6'1, he'd be a first round pick, but instead he's going to be a second round pick. And then he slipped forever. And we picked him up way later than we had any right to pick him up. Here's the thing I'm scared That's of, what we're going to be looking is for. Is that, like, defensive ends and defensive tackles are so, like, they're in vogue, right? It's Jaron cool. Reed fell. It's cool to pick defensive ends and defensive tackles. But Jaron Reed fell big. Like, there have been dudes who've fallen. And, like, some really good players. Uh, I my, mean, just look at last year. Uh, Harold Landry. Harold Landry fell forever for no real reason. And then my other draft-related question, is there a better football name for a cornerback than Greedy Williams? That's it. Um, good that's one. hard. He's going to wind up on like, the Packers, one. though. You know, like yeah, someone it is like underappreciated Packers name. So here's the thing: I love Greedy Williams. If the Greedy name. Williams ends up getting picked, so uh, there's this dude who plays for Alabama, um, Trevon Diggs, who was playing lights out and then got hurt. He might be the best corner in this draft. And he's probably going to fall and probably going to be healthy for next year. Yep. If he ends up coming out, man, if we could get him anywhere outside of like high first round pick, that could be a really, really big steal. Man, I, I just want to put this after the break, too, because uh, just in case people. I, I get the feeling people don't like when you talk about draft ball, you're still in the playoff race. So I'm like trying to, I'm trying to hide it for my, for myself. Hey man, we're not talking about top 10 picks. No, I, I think like a lot of these guys too, like, like Greedy Williams is a good example. A guy who there's three or four good cornerbacks in this draft and he could slip just because teams are going to reach for positions that aren't as good. Um, like teams are going to reach up and like be like, I'm taking a tackle here because we really want an offensive tackle, even though there's probably shouldn't, they probably should wait or try to trade back. Yeah, basically, if you're not getting uh, Greg Little or maybe Jonah Williams, you probably shouldn't be drafting offensive tackle in the first round. Because Trey Adams is probably coming back to Washington since he got hurt. It happens every year, though. Every year this happens. Teams just reach for position instead of thinking about what they should do. All right, let's go movie club. You guys ready? Yes. uh, Suggested to us the 25th anniversary of Sleepless in Seattle is coming up. And... uh, so we thought it'd be fun if we all talked about our favorite uh, quintessentially uh, or set in Seattle movies. Um, so, um, Eric, you're up first. Ooh. Knock it out of the park. Do it. Okay, so it's funny. We Before we started this, it was a big list of like, oh, wow, I had no idea that movie was filmed in Seattle. I, I, I had, had no, no idea, idea that was set in Seattle. So I had no all... idea that Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle was a Seattle-based so here, movie. I'll tell you what and, I'm and doing this weekend. And here's what happened, though. What, what happened was we found out Ghost Dad was set in Seattle, and it changed the whole thing. So, Eric, why did we all pick Ghost Dad? No. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, bigger, the bigger lead is uh, we don't want to talk about why we no longer make jokes and talk about Ghost Dad anymore. Yeah, and if you don't know... Ghost Dad used to be like <laughs> sorry. One of, Ghost Dad was like the OG Seahawks Nest meme, and now we can't even really talk. And about now it somebody ruined it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thanks geez. A lot of jerk. Well, at least he's in jail, and for that reason only. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were there were a few ga- uh, movies I wanted to do. We settled on one for me to do, and then I found a better movie that is actually really good. So oh dear. 
Uh, should I just do them both really quickly? No, do the one that you said is better. Okay. I'm, to it. Uh, I'm gonna go. I don't think anyone in this room has seen this movie. Uh, safety not guaranteed. I've seen that movie. <laughs> yes, I've seen that movie. Yes, and uh, it's it's the guy who directed Jurassic World. Yes, uh, and it it's got um, Aubrey Plaza, Aubrey Plaza, and then like uh, the guy from the League. That is the guy from the League. Mark, yeah, Mark so and such. I was gonna say Mark something. Uh, Mark de Pevid, uh, the not the guy who pretended he was in nine eleven. Mark Duplass. No, uh, yeah, not <laughs> not not Steve Rezzani, not my favorite guy from the league, which, but, who I am most like in our fantasy football league. All right, uh, um, yeah. So basically, it's about this uh, this young lady, and she's kind of having some problems at home, and she gets. And I haven't seen this movie in a while, so I'm. She's I'm like a be, reporter. She's like a. She works for a magazine or something. Yeah, it's not like a big time gig, but she uh, like basically works for the the stranger. Yes. It's like a stand in for the stranger. Yeah, and she she finds a like a help wanted someone to travel through time. It's a it's based on a real ad. It's um like, uh, bring your own guns. Uh, we're gonna travel through time. Safety not guaranteed. So yeah. something like that. It's 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 a real want ad. That's which posts. if you like me used to sit around with your friends in college. And read different sections of The Stranger, like The Misconnections was always a favorite, then you know exactly how this ad ended up in a paper and uh, you know it's real. The best part is this is a true story, guys. Uh, after my first serious girlfriend and I broke up, she put a she put an ad in The Stranger. And the it may have been in the rocket. But either way, it was awkward and weird. <laughs> okay, and this can, can we'll I talk can, about it all. Can later, I tell you but, the the actual uh, the actual thing is that yeah. the ad said it said Wanted somebody to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. You'll get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. Safety not guaranteed. I have only done this once before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, it's that's the best. Basically, it's just really it's a it's a touching movie. It's you don't really know if this guy's mental or what. I don't want to spoil anything, but I think this movie is available to stream on one of the five hundred pay per month services. And I think you should look it up. Well, it's been all downhill for Colin Trevorrow since then. So I'd say just, yeah, get in here now uh, and then enjoy and then enjoy the descent into madness that was Jurassic World into Book of Henry. And if you guys don't want to watch that movie, then I suggest Harry and the Hendersons. Bigfoot is real. Okay, uh, who's next? Kevin? Uh, really quick, best stranger article I can remember was a uh, Cape Crusader in search of Alfred to keep Bat Cave tidy. Well, out fighting crime, and to uh, somebody wrote basically a in character Batman want ad for a manservant, and it might be the most genius thing I've ever seen written. If this wasn't a creative writing assignment, I have no idea what it was for, but it was it was amazing. Just Eric Ronnebeck killing time. Okay, so am I next? Yeah, go for it. All right, so I wanted to bring up I uh, I wanted to bring up one movie that is lyingly based in California. So to do it, I'm bringing up a different movie, and that's 1989's Say Anything. Um, I'm a sucker for young John Cusack vehicles and uh, 80s teen movies. So if you want to judge me for that, then you can you can buy me because everybody really don't care. loves those. So this is a Cameron Crowe movie. Um, has uh, John Cusack, uh, John Mahoney, better known for his role in Frasier, and. This is just, you know, the the boombox over the head scene, the uh, young love and kind of uh, misunderstandings. Um, it's it's just a very it's it's very much a movie of its time. It has a lot of charm. Comes in at a nice like hour forty minutes. Uh, doesn't really dwell in any scene for too long, and it shows you why John Cusack was able to make his way into Hollywood. He's just, he's really good as the focal point of the movie. Um, I where bring... Does it, where does it rank in your, like, Cameron Crowe movie power rankings? Like, uh, do you like it more than Almost Famous? Like, how do you feel about, like, Almost Famous, Jerry Maguire, Singles? Singles also another, like, quintessentially Seattle movie. Uh, he wrote Fast Times, which is much... So that, I guess that would be my favorite Cameron Crowe movie then. Um, it's hard to compare it to Fast Times, because Fast Times... I, don't, I like it. I like it more than Fast Times, but Fast Times has some really good iconic scenes. Um, I don't really care for singles that much. Almost Famous is good. Uh, it's they're kind of in the same tier. It's it's kind of right there. It's in that A tier for me. But Eric, do you have an opinion on this? I'm not an camera amazingly big camera, camera, camera fan. Yeah, you know we we kind of brushed up on singles before this, and it's kind of like the 
it's the easy lob. It's the the lob over home plate for Seattle movies. Outside of Sleepless, I I hate that movie. Uh, I don't care for that movie. But you're gonna come in with We Bought a Zoo, right? Matt Damon, Scarlett Johansson. Okay, you want to know why I'm Matt... out with Cameron Crowe? My favorite movie he ever did was his cameo in Minority Report. Come at me. <laughs> All right. So I talked about Say Anything for a movie that is claimed to be from California, but was shot in Seattle, and that's 1985's Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead is an amazing movie. It plays into all of the stupidity of those 80s like teenager movies um and like it had like the he was kind of the outsider he was being picked on by you know the jock and they has the challenge at the end except it's stupidly a downhill skiing competition which makes it amazingly dumb uh johnny tsunami had nothing on it in addition to that there's a running gag with a paper boy who's attempting to collect his two dollars owed throughout in many a ridiculous way it's a really good gag there's the uh Asian twins who learned how to speak oh. English off of ESPN and constantly drive around in like a beat up 66 dart challenging people to drag races over the PA system. Uh, there is the uh, chubby kid from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is in this movie who plays a Francis. Sleaze- yes. Francis plays a sleazeball host to a French foreign exchange student who he's constantly trying to hit on, who seeks refuge, helping repair and uh, salvage the Camaro in John Cusack's garage. You know, I saw this use at the after end. I saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and I remember thinking as like a young young teen, wow, this guy has some good range. <laughs> uh, this is a charming movie. So Better Off Dead is, if we're using a filming locale instead of a location, I... Uh, of like setting of the movie totally... better off dead is just really charming and fun and it's kind of flown under the radar for being a good example of what it is for those kind of romantic comedy teenager 80s film films i hadn't i have actually seen this movie i thought i had it when you mentioned it earlier and uh it's fun it's good it's fine yeah <laughs> that's a, that kevin knows that that, that means i i'm never mind yeah Whatever. you don't really care for it i like it it's it's fine yeah it's, it's not... in my wheelhouse i admit it um okay uh, I picked You're going to mention a movie I actually very much like. Yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yep, this is All the right. movie I would do if I didn't do Cusack. Yeah, I like this movie. Uh, it's good. My favorite thing about it is it's set in Seattle, but actually filmed in Tacoma, because Tacoma is the best. Stadium I'll, high. I always ride hard for the 253. People who know me already know. I got like 30 seconds to get this uh, in, so I'll just say uh, it's really good performances across the board. There's like tons of actors in this movie that ended up doing like a lot in their careers. Gabrielle Union, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Julia Stiles. Like, I just... Uh, Alice fun and adaptation Alice, of Shakespeare. Allison Janney's in this movie. Like, they just there's so many good, uh, like good people involved in this movie. Um, the dad, the dad yeah. is comedically great. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's good. You should watch it. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any time. I'm out of. I'm you out of you time. have all the time you want. I I mean I could, but I don't want to go way over an hour. That's, you don't have to go way. Over, if you go two minutes over an hour, that's not way over an hour. And uh-huh. Heath Ledger and Joseph Gordon-Levitt always wonder if they were related. They're not, but. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, not, this is a clever modernization and adaptation of Taming of the Shrew, which is uh, also a really interesting play to read, but this is just done in a really cool way. Yeah, and it's, I think it's what's cool is it's just like it was all these people's breakthroughs, right? Like Ledger hadn't really wasn't really big before this. Julia Stiles wasn't really big before this. JGL wasn't really big before this. Like they all came up in this movie, this like you know teen movie, and just and they all got it. like spotlight moments too. Like, there are scenes where they really get to put on display what they're capable of, and it's really good. Yeah, I like I like it a lot. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Reels breakout role was Angels in the Outfield. Uh, so, you know. Yeah. I'm doing the flap right now. Uh, my my friend Chris probably going to kill me later for that, make reference that reference. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's roll it up. Here we go. For Kevin Garber. For Eric Ronovic. For me, I will see you guys next for week. For Danny Glover. Danny, for Danny Glover and... Uh, Anybody else who appeared in Angels in the Outfield? Who else is in that movie? Uh, wasn't Gary Busey? No, Gary Busey was in the one where the guy like breaks the his yeah. arm. I know, but I, I wanted to reference. Good to- oh, here. Tony Danza. Tony Danza played the washed-up pitcher. <laughs> I would like to say that who I was dying is, of cancer. That's a, uh, a great moment. Last time I saw Nathan, there was more like, what was the baseball movie with Gary Busey? Who was Eric? Was Little? No, Big no, no, League? no. I was thinking actually 
I was thinking, I knew what Rookie of the Year the, was. I couldn't think of Little Big League. Little the Big one League that, was the one I where said, he owns the Minnesota Twins. I said, yes. what's the movie where the guy owns the Twins and the Mariners are the bad guys at the end? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it was and it was me for like 10 seconds agonizing. It's, it's, it's. And then I was like, Little Big League. How did you ask that when I wasn't here? Because I would have had that. It was, no, oh, it wasn't. What about a. Chris, I have that on VHS somewhere. Chris, Christopher <laughs> Lloyd was in that, was in Angels in the Outfield too, right? He was the, ba- the angel. Well, he, was he was the was, angel, yeah. He was the star power. Coming off of uh, Back to the Future. Coming yeah, off the, him, him and Tony Danza. Coming off the Page Master. Coming right. off the Page Master and Who's the Boss? Angela. Okay. Now we're really leaving. See you guys next week. Go Hawks.